busy. Uh, positive Sean doing the show solo that uh, I haven't really even looked at the sound offerings. Let's do a late night joke off in a minute or two. I want to mention to you that uh, the president's birthright citizenship proposal running into a lot of headwinds. We talked to an expert yesterday who said that if you really look at the one Supreme Court case that deals with this, it is in the president's favor. There are plenty of uh, publications and outlets, and even Paul Ryan, the soon-to-be former Speaker of the House, are saying, "Now nah, you can't do that. They, that would take uh, change in the Constitution. I think it would take interpreting the Constitution correctly, but there is a principle, you know, it's, it's in law, but it's also in society, uh, and it exists for a good reason, that if, wait a minute, we've been doing it this way for a long time, you got to be a little careful about just undoing it. Barack Obama did that a lot, and conservatives hated it. He would say, what was it, 32 times, I can't just grant these people the right to stay in the country. Then he did it, because it was expedient, because it helped him in an election. It was morally and constitutionally indefensible. And I agree with the president on the 14th Amendment and how it ought to be interpreted, but I think we need to... Uh, move through a process that's a little more deliberate than just an executive order because that would just it just it ain't cool how do you like that for constitutional analysis it would freak too many people out is what i mean it would whip up the left or the open borders crowd unnecessarily if that is the correct interpretation of the constitution let's press that through legislative and legal means Um, Let's find a good test case and run it up to the Supreme Court, where I don't know if you've heard this, um, there's a pretty good uh, conservative majority. Um, But I happen to think he's right. If you look at the the text of the 14th Amendment and what they were writing about it at the time and the people who were arguing in favor of it, what they were saying, the phrase, you know, all people uh, born in and under the jurisdiction of means fully under the jurisdiction of you are. You live there. You follow the laws. You're part of that community. Not some tourist who flies into LAX, pops a kid, and then goes back to China, for instance. Not some Mexican uh, gal who sneaks across the border, gives birth to a kid, makes sure that kid is registered as a U.S. citizen. And by the way, I, I would do the same thing. I would do exactly the same thing. I think it's a great move. It's smart. Um, but... The idea that she pops across the border, has that kid, and then immediately goes back to Mexico, and that kid is a U.S. citizen for life, that's just silly. It's not what the 14th Amendment intended at all. It intended to make clear that the slaves were citizens and nobody could deny them their constitutional rights. Uh, As it turns out, they were denied uh, a lot of their constitutional rights for uh, a long damn time. But, uh, you know, study history. It takes a long time to get it right. A uh, choice quote or two. Uh, they're calling it a political stunt more than a reasoned legal argument. It's timing coming a week before the midterm elections was suspect. Uh, suspect if you're a lefty, smart if you're a conservative. It's a really interesting uh, topic. Um, but yeah, politically, sure, it'll fire up the base. Absolutely. Now, in the New York Times, which is horrifically biased, they quote, Peter J. Spiro, law professor at Temple University, quote, The conventional understanding is absolutely clear that children born in the United States are citizens of the United States, with the insignificant exception of the children of diplomats. 
Now, why would that be an insignificant exception? I think that's an incredibly significant exception. Why? Because those diplomats are not under the jurisdiction of the United States. They're not citizens. They're not, well, they're residents in a way, but they're not invested in the communities. They're temporary. Diplomats' kids aren't citizens because they're temporary and not clearly people who live in America and live as Americans, which is what the 14th Amendment meant by saying under the jurisdiction of. Um, and I suspect rather strongly that this is going to go quote-unquote quote my way eventually. Unless the Supreme Court says, and they do this sometimes because sometimes they're big black robe chickens. They say, yeah, it'd freak too many people out if we rule this. It'd be too disruptive. So uh, let's let this lie. And if the legislature wants to change it, go ahead and change it. But we're not doing it. You know, and that's not chicken. Sometimes it's chicken. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's the court saying, hey, you big, speaking of chickens, you big chickens in the legislature, you guys never decide anything. You never vote on anything substantive. Then you make us decide. And that's, and Ben Sass made this point so eloquently during the whole Kavanaugh that because the legislature is full of a bunch of cowards who never decide anything, never take a vote that they'll be held to in the next election, everybody's all angry at the courts all the time because you make us decide everything. Um, so this will, I have a feeling this will get pushed and will get decided uh, at some point. Uh, let's see, is that worth... Um, Well, is the child of the Chinese immigrant... Okay, so the New York Times itself quotes something that backs up my argument, I think. In congressional debates about the 14th Amendment in 1866, lawmakers said its sweep should be wide. Is the child of the Chinese immigrant in California a citizen? Senator Edgar Cowan of Pennsylvania asked. Senator John Connors of California said the answer was yes. Okay, that's fine. That fits my example. That is somebody fully invested. They live in America. They are under the jurisdiction and all that they do of the country and the state. The children of all parentage, whatever, born in California should be regarded as and treated as citizens of the United States entitled to equal rights, rights with other citizens. Uh, and then they point out the key case, United States versus Wong Kim Ark. He's a kid born in San Francisco to Chinese parents. They got all grown up and he went somewhere or other. I don't know, China maybe? I don't know, maybe he went to Australia to surf. But anyway, he decided to come back to the United States and uh, the authorities said, you can't come in because you're not a citizen. And in that case, um, they said, no, he gets to come back in. He's been living in America for a long time. He's a citizen. He was born here, 14th Amendment, et cetera, et cetera. But in the New York Times leaves this out quite conveniently. And our expert yesterday, do you have that tape still? Our expert said this yesterday. What gets confusing is in the late 1890s, a case called Wong Kim Ark, a child of Chinese immigrants, um, left the United States and then upon his return claimed he was a citizen and he was legally entitled to return. And the Supreme Court agreed. But they went out of their way in that case to note that his parents were lawfully domiciled here. They weren't just here temporarily as temporary visitors they were lawfully domiciled here they had made this their home and as as and and the united states had accepted them as lawfully domiciled here we didn't let them become citizens because of a bad 
uh, treaty that we had entered into with the emperor of China. But they did as much to become part of our community, our political community, as they were allowed to do. And the Supreme Court held that child um, was an automatic citizen. Again, by virtue of their being fully under the jurisdiction of the United States, that's uh, John Eastman, Dr. John Eastman, professor at Chapman University, Fowler School of Law, uh, director of the Center of Constitutional Jurisprudence at the Dale E. Fowler School of Law. Um, and, you know, you can get one legal expert to say the polar opposite of, of anything, really, and I absolutely recognize that. Um, in fact, James C. Ho, a conservative legal scholar, recently appointed by Mr. Trump to the Federal Appeals Court in New Orleans, has written that the message of the decision is unmistakable, quote, this sweeping language reaches all aliens regardless of immigration status. Um, uh, on the other hand, I would argue that that under the jurisdiction of is the key phrase in the, uh, in the 14th Amendment. You know, not to get all constitutionally on you, but, well, it's too late, isn't it? Um, there are not phrases in the Constitution that don't mean anything. They are not like certain people who sometimes use more words than is necessary uh, just because it pads it out or makes it sound flowery. The phrase under the jurisdiction of has meaning, and you have to research that meaning and why they put it in at the time. Uh, I'll give you a a vexing example. The beginning of the Second Amendment that talks about uh, the the necessity of a well-regulated militia. What does that have to do with individual gun rights? That's been the topic of extraordinary amounts of debate, extraordinary amounts of debate through the years, as I'm sure you're aware. So anyway, we'll see. We'll let legal scholars and judges and lawyers argue about this for the next several years. But I predict, and I will stand by this prediction, and and y'all who have these photographic memories of the show and and taunt us with the things we said 15 years ago, um, feel free, if I turn out to be wrong, to let me know. But I predict that the birth tourism... Anchor baby policy will cease to be before too terribly long. We shall see. More Halloween-y stuff. Favorite candy state by state. I know that sounds stupid, but it's actually kind of interesting. And the creepy jobs, what they pay. CNN slammed as disgraceful. Oh, and an exciting Stormy Daniels update. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. He was kind of a Frankenstein-looking fellow, and he was married to a bride of Frankenstein-looking chick. That, that that all washed. I mean, that was fine. Go ahead and crank it, Michael. That's all right. Then, but then you got to grandpa, her dad's a, a vampire. How does that work? And they gave birth to a werewolf boy. I mean, it strains the credulity. And apparently, normal's a recessive gene, because they had the one uh, hot daughter. Uh, Marilyn, <laughs> was that her name? Uh, on the Munsters, but... The genetics of uh, Halloween creatures, very confusing to me. I'm enjoying the music, though, Michael. Coming up, a late-night joke-off on the topic of birthright citizenship, but first, this breaking news. 
Apparently, Stormy Daniels, you remember her? <sighs> the aging, basiliconed, uh, pornographic fornicator and shower of genitals uh, just performed at the same strip club where the alleged bomber guy worked. The uh, MAGA bomber, they're calling him. Oh, right, right. The former male stripper, uh, roid abuser, chest shaver, oilerer upper. May or may not be a seminal Indian, may or may not be a former professional soccer player. He's a Filipino, but he identified as an Indian and wore tuna cans on his lids in case he got into a stripper fight. <laughs> Which happens all the time. Well, yeah, it's a tough world. Um, evidently, and, and, I, and I mentioned before, if you're getting into male stripper fights, you really need to focus on the striking because of all the baby oil. Right. It makes grappling almost impossible. Oh yeah, they squirt out of your things like a watermelon seed, right? Uh, so uh, evidently, the uh, the uh, the bomber dude who thank God hurt no one, could face up to 48 years in prison. He worked as a DJ and a doorman at the Ultra Gentlemen's Club in West Palm Beach, Florida. Gentlemen. Uh, the owner of the club uh, said he'd been working there, and Stormy Daniels was just showing her private parts there. Stormy Daniels, who we all took seriously on CNN, and her porn promoter, Michael Avenatti, who people are still talking about seriously as a would-be presidential candidate, which is hilarious, especially on CNN, which is going to feel the rough side of my tongue and or receive the back of my hand or a kicking. I haven't decided which one uh, in a couple of minutes. Uh, but first... Let's do a late-night joke-off. We have three comedians taking a shot at the joke. I will grade each one of them, and the bottom grade getter will... Uh, we decide we can't ban them for, uh, for life. What was it? I suggest very strongly you never watch them again, because they're not funny. Here we go. Trump wants to use an executive order to end birthright citizenship, which is when a non-citizen gives birth in the U.S., making the baby a citizen. Trump was like, it's all part of my plan to make sure no babies vote against me in 2020. <laughs> So this morning, Trump revealed that he was planning an executive order to end birthright citizenship, okay? Now, birthright citizenship, for those, for those of you who don't know, it's a complicated constitutional concept. It says that if you're born here, you're an American. I guess it's not as complicated as I thought. That's the... This is a law, been part of the Constitution since 1868, says anyone born in the United States is automatically a citizen of the United States. Trump wants to do away with that by executive order. It's a bold move because usually when Trump makes an executive order, it comes with four biscuits, two cups of mashed potatoes, (laughs) and ten pieces of the Colonel's extra crispy fried chicken. All right, well, we have a clear winner anyway. Kimmel with a joke that was actually funny. (laughs) That one was a joke. Because Trump is a fast food-eating fat guy. Uh, Colbert... With a C minus, I mean, it was recognizable as humor. Fallon with a D. I mean, it might have amused like a six-year-old, but it was terrible. I almost want to grade on a curve, though, because Fallon is amiable and (laughs) non-threatening. Whereas Colbert is a viciously partisan smug a-hole. On the other hand, that would make me Harvard University discriminating against Asians. And I don't want to be that. So I'm afraid, and this pains me to say it. Amiable, kind, gentle, talented, Jimmy Fallon should never be watched again. So I have written, so I have ruled.
So it shall be. So it shall be. CNN's pathetic. Jake Tapper's getting a lot of fire because he stayed silent when a guest of his, who is this gal from the Washington Post, Julia Ioffe, she actually mostly works for GQ, but she was doing a piece for the Post. And she said, and I quote, we probably have this tape, don't we, somewhere? And it doesn't matter. Um, that the president has radicalized so many more people than ISIS ever did. And they're talking about the terrible shooting of the synagogue, claiming that the president is radicalizing people to the point of them shooting up the synagogue, which is incredibly irresponsible and wrong and stupid. And Jake Tapper's under fire because he didn't say anything to her. But, you know, I listen to CNN, so you don't have to. And they have really gone hardcore that they are going to try to beat NBC and MSNBC as the anti-Trump network. Um, and then when uh, Ioffe, the woman, continued to rant about Trump's radicalized supporters, uh, David Urban, who was the panel's token conservative, didn't appreciate it. And he said, Jake, for you not to push back on that is irresponsible. That's irresponsible. For her to say the president of the United States radicalized more people than ISIS is irresponsible, he said repetitively. Okay, you disagree with it, Tapper said, as other panelists talked over each other. And Ioffe stood by her claim, which she later apologized for and said it was hyperbole. Um, yeah, that is amazing. Hours later, CNN's Don Lemon drew the ire, to, um, the ire rather, of Majority Whip Steve Scalise by declaring that Democrats don't kill people. I'm telling you, don't just don't even watch cable news. If you have a favorite show or two that you like, I happen to really like Brett Bear's show on Fox News because it's hard news and it's even-handed, and they they criticized uh, they criticized the president as much as they agree with him. Um, if you have this cartoonish version of Fox News, forget it for Brett Bear's show. It's a great news show. It's an hour of hard news. It's really good, um, but with a couple of exceptions. Just don't watch it. It'll make you miserable. Democrats don't kill people. I think if we Good took Lord. the best of each network from all the cable news things, we could probably get four and a half good shows. Yeah. There's just so much nonsense on all those networks. Yeah, yeah. Chris Matthews, who's insufferable and lied to us on this show, then called me a liar, he generally has a segment or two that's really great political analysis, really solid. You just have to sit through the crap. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it's probably four and a half hours might be a little uh, might be a little generous, but it's something like that. Your favorite candy in Kansas is your Reese's cup. Love Reese's peanut butter cups. Like living in Kansas too. Nicest people in America. Kentucky number one candy, the Swedish fish. Booyah again. Yes. Louisiana likes lemon heads. Oh, really? Huh? Wow. Yeah. I think yeah. they just like being different. All yeah. right, we'll hit Idaho next. Marshall, what are our headlines? Former mob boss Whitey Boulder killed in jail. Grizzly details of what looks like a mob hit. And more proof when it comes to buying property. It's location, location, location. Case in point, the late Aretha Franklin's mansion. Idaho's favorite candy is the candy corn. They also like the Starburst a great deal. So fine candy freshens the breath. The news is next. Armstrong and Getty.
Let's get right into the news with Marshall Phillips. Marshall? Well, campaigns are intensifying across the U.S. as the midterm elections are less than a week away. President Trump has more than 10 rallies scheduled before next Tuesday's elections. Now, while Trump continues to hammer away at immigration issues, a red-hot topic for many, the good economic news continues coming in as well. In a preview of the Fed report coming up on Friday, more jobs, it turns out, are continuing to be created across the nation. ADP and Moody's Analytics reporting this morning the economy added 227,000 private sector jobs this month. That is 9,000 more than the 218,000 private payroll jobs that were created in September. Now, who am I to criticize Donald J. Trump? Well, I'm a talk show host. Um, If he could make any conciliatory gestures, if he could soften the, the hatred of him, if he could just just be a little nicer for a little bit, i got to believe the Republicans hold, could hold the House and grow the Senate uh, lead. I think they will do the Senate, but it's just not in his character. Right? Fight, fight, fight. Now, I understand that's a big part of his appeal, too, mm-hmm. but it just seems to me that if he played this right, because, I mean, it's all about the economy generally right. in elections, and the economy could not be in better shape in by most measures. Right. And Positive Sean's got a one-word market report for today. Sean? The market is happy. There you go. More positive economic news. Happy markets and more (laughs) jobs. Whitey Bulger was targeted for a mob hit, and the killers did what mob killers do with so-called rats. They try to cut out their tongue and gouge out their eyes. Yikes! That's what they did? Sources at... Sources at the USP Hazleton Prison in West Virginia are telling TMZ Bolger was killed in his cell right around 6 o'clock in the morning, Tuesday morning. Good morning. Not in a common area, as first reported. We're told four inmates walked into the cell where Whitey was sitting in his wheelchair. They brutally beat him with a lock and a sock and used a shiv to go after his eyes and tongue. Gee, lock and a sock. Sounds like... Something Dr. Seuss wrote during his prison years. So the the whole the, the eyes and the tongue thing, that is something that Whitey Bulger's crew used to do to people who had been informants on them. Oh, uh, boy. And Whitey Bulger... pull your goddamn tongue out by the roots! There's one of his uh, hitmen. Yeah. Uh, and Whitey, as we uh, reported earlier, he went state's evidence and was working with right. the feds, so this could have been kind of one of those sort of things. Wow. Took a long time for that to come back around. Yep. But it did. TMZ uh, was told that surveillance cameras captured the four inmates walking into Bulger's cell and then walking out with their clothes clearly bloodied. So obviously the mob and that's uh, the Irish mob still has enough pull and or money that they convince these four guys to do their bidding because those guys are going to be in jail for the rest of their lives now if they're not executed. I'd, although, Mass- what I'm sorry, what state's he in right now? Virginia. I yep. don't know how they stand on West the death Virginia. penalty. Yep. West, oh, West Virginia? Yep. yep. Hell, you got 10,000 people a day dying from pills over there. Um, yeah, wow, that is interesting because those guys, their goose is cooked now and they knew that going in. Well, one of the, uh, one of the killers is uh, supposedly a mob hitman who is already in jail for life. Right. So he's a lifer already. Right. And it could be all four of them are, but yeah. I'll be curious to hear about that. The other, the other thing, too, is there's questions about why uh, Whitey Bulger got transferred to uh, this particular uh, jail or holding area. He had been in another facility for quite a while and had no problems. Then suddenly wow. he gets transferred. He's there one day, and he's killed. Wait a minute. Yep. He 
Yeah. Wow. So somebody mobbed up, had enough pull to get him transferred. Mm-hmm. Then they snuffed him day one. I mean, that was like uh, poor old uh, Mr. Khashoggi there in the in the Saudi consulate. They're waiting for him. Wow. Yep. Marshall, that one is not over. No, not at all. I need you to fly to West Virginia immediately and begin reporting on this story. Live <laughs> from the holding facility. Well, it turns out the second largest brush fire in California history is believed to have been sparked by a utility company's electrical equipment. Southern California Edison admitting its equipment was associated with at least one of two origin points for the Thomas Fire. That's the one that burned through Ventura and Santa Barbara counties that killed a couple of people and uh, destroyed more than a thousand homes. Well, we can't have uh, poles and wires that don't arc or that would cut into our profits. Now then. Found out Aretha Franklin's uh, 4,148 square foot uh, brick colonial style home in suburban Detroit is up for sale. Five bedrooms, seven bathrooms, access to the gated community's pool and tennis courts, three car garage, jetted tub with sauna and multiple. Sauna? A sauna, along with multiple decks. Very nice. Very nice. Suburban Detroit. Aretha Franklin's former home. Up for sale, $800,000. Yeah, sounds about right. $800,000. Boy, in the West Coast, that would be selling for a lot more. Yeah, depending on where you are. But 4,100 square feet, you said? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Seven bathrooms. Boy, that'd be fun. I'd just take turns, probably. I just one bathroom per day of the week. I'd hate to forget which one I was on, though, so I'd probably have a checklist (laughs) on the wall. i just like the sauna. All right, one last note. TV ratings for the just-ended World Series between the Red Sox and the Dodgers that Boston won four games to one were the fourth lowest ratings ever, according to Nielsen. Wow, wait a minute. Giant coastal markets? I mean, the the Bo Sox have a following far in excess of just, you know, the people of Boston or Massachusetts. They're a huge regional team. Five-game series aired on Fox averaged about 14 million viewers, which is still a healthy chunk, but that was down 25% from last year when the Astros beat the Dodgers in seven games. Hmm. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Let's ring the bell. Speaking of housing prices in places that aren't the West Coast, got a really nice note from Rachel here. Says, you both helped me feel like I'm back home in the Bay Area. My family moved to Chapel Hill, North Carolina last year. It's a beautiful area. Yeah. Uh, husband company. Being born and bred in California, it's been a tough adjustment to live here in the humidity in the snake-slash-mosquito-infested garden. <laughs> there are a few snakes. Of course, there are rattlesnakes in, in California. What sure. are you talking about? Um, but she also says the schools here are much more challenging as being experienced by my junior in high school. Two oldest already graduated. Um kid goes to a private school. We never could have afforded private school. Traffic is practically non-existent here. Um, daily, I have a hard time complaining about life. Housing is affordable. New construction going on everywhere. Cost of living is a dream. Everyone is so friendly. Well, Few homeless people. Absolutely no one in tents are on the streets. Just random people on medians with cardboard signs. Those are not homeless people, Rachel. Those are beggars. There is a difference. But uh, So, if you don't mind snakes and mosquitoes and humidity. And I don't. I like them. All of them. <laughs> I don't like The president disagrees, and I respect that. There you go. Final thoughts coming up in a moment or two. Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation.
Positive Sean, and I approve of this message. Jack Armstrong is unhinged. Hambone, hambone, what do you say? He makes up his own words. Fabu. He does whatever the heck this is. He goes on rhyming sprees for no reason at all. The bills and the thrills and the pills that kill. When he's not involved in syllable-based chicanery, he advocates violence. I kicked Stedman in the sack. Physical assault isn't the only assault on the menu. I would like to welcome my genitals to this table for the first time. It wasn't the first time, and it wouldn't be the last. A man called Jack Armstrong just can't make up his mind. Is it really cold in here? I'm really hot. You won't hear much compassion from him either. The world makes my ass tired. Sorry to hear that, Jack. Vote positive. Paid for by the Positive Sean Super Pack. (laughs) The whoop whoop makes it. So, Halloween listicles, including here's what creepy jobs pay. We hit some of these. They have Exterminator. <laughs> Exterminator's not that creepy. Uh, although I suppose if you're crawling around in crawl spaces and dealing with spiders and stuff, that's fairly creepy. Funeral director slash mortician. I would not want to do that. I think it's, you know, I understand why it has to happen. It's a fine profession. Honorable. Good money in it, too. I mean, there's no, like, up and down markets. People, uh, people die. And will continue to, according to analysts. You need an associate or a bachelor's degree. Grave digger. <laughs> That's a guy who operates a backhoe, isn't it? They don't use a shovel anymore? I'm sorry. A funeral director on average makes about forty-seven grand around America. It's more if it's in a higher cost of living place. What's that now? They don't, they don't just do it with a, with a hand shovel? No, I don't think so. That seems like an odd way to do it if you have a backhoe. Hazardous waste shipper. <laughs> That's not creepy. That's just hazardous. A phlebotomist. How do you like that? The people who, who collect blood samples? It's a creepy job. All you need is a certificate. Makes on average about thirty-one grand. Sewage plant operator. This list is funny. <laughs> taxidermist. I really like a taxidermy. I, I, I got to go wild hog hunting. I want a big, like... 400-pound taxidermied wild hog right in our entryway. Something tells me that might be a bone of contention with the little woman. But uh, wouldn't that be cool, though? You walk into my house, hey, Joe, whoa, dude, wow. Wow, giant stuffed hog, huh? Be a great conversation piece. Talk to easy, boy. It's okay. <laughs> Tusks and all, oh, glowing geez. eyes. Oh, wow. yeah, I'm telling you, Marshall. Yeah, I'll, wow. shoot, I'll shoot a big old tusker. Yeah, and no. have it stuffed and mounted right there. You know what would be great is if you could, uh, you know, I got tile in my entry. Right, right, right. And and I don't want it on a pedestal so it's obviously mounted. I want it mounted like on tile. So I'll have to get matching tile and have the taxidermist <laughs> mounted to the tile. Then I'll install the tile with the giant wild hog on it. Like it's making a break for the door. So when they open it, they right. Like, oh, oh, no, right. The guard right, exactly. <laughs> Maybe you could have it like in motion, like one, yeah. foot, what, yeah. one hoof up or paw up or whatever they are, foot. Yeah. The over-under is five weeks. Five weeks. The bet is how long would it take to have Baxter stop growling at the thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh. So, uh, favorite candies. Oh, do we have that Fallon joke about uh, candy? Let's yes. hear that. It sounds like this. Something like this. I read that some people are giving out healthier candy this Halloween made from things like quinoa or beets. <laughs> 
Even people giving out apples with razor blades are like, you monsters, what are you doing? (laughs) That made me laugh. Let's see, favorite uh, candies around the country where I grew up in Illinois, the Kit Kats, fine candy. The Sour Patch Kids, number two. Interesting choice. They don't make a lot of uh, appearances on those. Oh, somebody asked about Idaho candy corn. Oh, I guess I told you that already. I went through a real Sour Patch phase in terms of my, uh, it wasn't so much sweet. I just couldn't get enough of sour flavor. Like the, hmm. the Warhead candies, Sour Patch Kids. Oh, man, I was all about those. It matches my mood most of the time, sour, so I don't even taste it. It's like it's tasteless. It's just neutral for you. <laughs> Maryland, the Milky Way. It's a bastard candy. <laughs> Let's see. Michigan, again, candy corn. It's, it's the, you know, what corn is nougat? Does that come from like a plant or something? What is what? Nougat? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but it's, it's, it's terrible. I mean, the Three Musketeers is no... Uh, Three Musketeers is the one with just nougat. Milky Way actually has some caramel as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Three Musketeers, number one candy in the great illiterate state of Mississippi. Number one, the Three Musketeers bar. It's a terrible bar. Even even as a child, I didn't want it. (laughs) Wow. They try to fool you with the silver wrapping. Shout out to my buddy Brian, Montana, his home state. The favorite candy, the first and only appearance, I believe, in any uh, ranking... The number one candy in Montana is double bubble gum. <laughs> it's a gum. It of course, it's full of sugar. So, yeah. I, you know. Yeah, and it has the amazing capabilities of losing 100% of its flavor within four chews. Four chews? You must have gotten the good stuff. <laughs> Mine is fresh, yeah. I'm wondering about uh, a state where I have some relatives. Uh, yes. New Jersey, the Garden State. What's uh, their uh, favorite uh, candy? You know, I haven't talked about it lately because the news yeah. has been so busy and I'm pissed off about it. I actually yeah. visited with a couple of my aunts from the East Coast while I was at my parents' house in Phoenix. It was delightful. I hadn't seen them for years. It was absolutely terrific. But New Jersey, the number one is uh, Skillets, as uh, Al Sharpton would pronounce it. Skillets, then (laughs) M&M's, and Tootsie Pops. Uh, Go ahead, hit it. And now, final thoughts with Armstrong and Getty. I'm chilled to my bones. Oh, hey, Oklahoma has uh, double bubblegum number one as well. I misspoke. What do you know about that? Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody to wrap up the show. Michelangelo, what's your final thought? All right, tonight's the night where I hide alone in my house in the dark, avoiding trick-or-treaters, listening to the splashing of eggs hitting the window. (laughs) (laughs) Fabulous. Uh, Positive Sean, your final thought? Yeah, the stock market is not for the faint of heart, and while the, the PSP, that's the Positive Sean portfolio, is having a strong day, let us not be unaware of the possibilities that this could happen to all of us. Jeff Bezos lost $19 billion in stock market valuation over the course of two days. I thought I had a rough couple of days. Marshall Phillips, final thought? Well, just a heads up for my neighborhood trick-or-treaters. I'll be open for Halloween business from 3.15 p.m. to 6.10 p.m. Plan accordingly. You're like the Denny's of Halloween. (laughs) Uh, My final thought is great recording session yesterday for the Dead Flowers upcoming third LP, tentatively titled More Songs Than Fans. Uh, It's coming along quite beautifully. Uh, We'll be featuring some of it on the show eventually, I guess. I'm actually thinking of doing a podcast. Uh, with with some of the music and talking about it and my experience, my lifetime playing rock and roll, that could be kind of entertaining. Kinda. Anyway, look for that in a uh, store near you. Jack is sick. 
We hope you'll I be just back feel like tomorrow. I'm gonna die. I really? feel I've got yeah. a, I feel like I've got a bowling ball oh. in my stomach. I'm not kidding. It's weird because it was like you had you know the flu yesterday. It was more a lung thing. Yeah, more respiratory. Evidently, it's migrating. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people will thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have the clicks that we mentioned there, articles we referenced. Uh, they'll be there for you to read. Also, you can email us anytime, whether there's something you see that you think we ought to be talking about or you have a, a take on something we did talk about. Our, uh, it's mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. This concludes this year's Halloween show. We hope you had as much fun watching our show as the Koreans did animating it. But there's one group for whom every day is Halloween. I'm talking about adult illiterates. For them, trying to read the morning newspaper is more terrifying than any goblin, ghoul, spook, or spirit. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.